Let's do it. Hello, hello, everyone. It's Cass here today. Is it too late to say Happy New Year? Yeah, no. Oh, well. So we'll start off the year with our very first episode dedicated to three inspiring individuals. Now, two of them are warriors and one is a caretaker, and they're leading the fight for sickle cell and doing it with grace and class. They are the 2021 Sickle Cell Advocates of the Year. So listen to my interviews with them. And if you feel inspired, reach out to them and please congratulate them on their work. I also want to give out a special shout out to the other advocates who work tirelessly for the cause to make things better for us warriors. They are Andre Harris, Tiana Wolford, Maya Bloomberg, Dr. Amber Gray, Isaac Williams, and Tolo Lope Afolabi. Congratulations to each and every one of you and your invaluable contributions to the sickle cell community. And last but not least, a special thank you to our Skay Award sponsor, All Stripes. Now, without further ado, here are the interviews. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. It's Cass here, and I am with our Skay Award winner, the Sickle Cell Advocate of the Year. I am so happy to present my friend and colleague, Biba Tinga. She is a carer in Canada, and she is an amazing advocate. I don't want to give it all away. Biba, tell us a little bit about you. Oof, thank you for so, and foremost, thank you, Cassandra, for making time to talk to me today. It's an honor to be here, you know, and to be named Sickle Cell Advocate of the Year. So who am I? I'm a mom. I am a warrior mom. I have a, a, a son, a young adult, who has sickle cell disease SS. So he was born in Niger, in sub-Saharan Africa, and lived there for until he was age 15, and then we moved to Canada. So I can say that I've been dealing with sickle cell for over 30 years, which is not easy, of course, you know, the daily complications and all the sudden crises and the lack of resources. So that's what brings me here today. And you start uh, trying to make sure that your child gets the best care. And from there, then you expand it to the community. And here we are. And then one thing after another, I'm standing here in this seat and I feel so grateful and humbled by this recognition. That's amazing. So, so Biba, I kind of have an inkling. You talk about your son who pulled you into your work. I, I know there's a lot of parents out there with kids with sickle cell, and obviously that's the reason, but you know, you've taken advocacy to another level. So why is sickle cell and sickle cell advocacy so important to you? Actually, I don't think I just made a decision one day to take it to another level. It just happened like that. And I will tell you, you know, you always take action in whatever field it is because you notice that, you know, something is wrong, something is not done right, or something is missing, and and you want to change things for yourself first. And then you said, if I can share what, you know, I've learned with others and if it can help anybody. So that's how it happened. I, you know, I remember when my son was first diagnosed in his early years in Niger when he was growing up. One of the first things that happened to me, I was a young mom. I was 19 years old. And this nurse comes to me and says, you know what, from what we see, he was maybe just one years old. And he had several crises already and was and had to receive some blood transfusion. And she says to me, the head nurse, that we think your son is going to have frequent crises where he will require some blood transfusion. 
But here is the thing here. We are not sure that we're going to be able to provide the, the blood. And you know that sickle cell crises are always unpredictable. You, you don't know when it can happen. So she goes on and tells me, well, we have this thing that we do with parents, with kids with sickle cell disease. We want you to go into the community, your family, you know, your network, and get people, whatever their blood type is, to donate blood. And they come to the blood bank at the hospital. And in exchange, we know your child's blood type. We're going to make sure that we're going to keep some blood for him anytime if he needs it. So at that time I was standing there, I just acted as a mom. Okay, I got to get people. But for you to convince people to get to donate blood, you have to know the disease. You have to have the right role to, you know, to convince them. So I stepped into advocacy without even knowing that, you know, I was starting to go further than my role as the mom because that's in, an, in any system that works very well should be the responsibility of our government, of our healthcare system to provide all that, like it is in North America or Europe or somewhere else. But in that part of the world, it wasn't. So I stepped in there and I had to talk to people, tell them about sickle cell, what are the needs, why they can donate blood, and how it's not going to affect their health, right? And if there was any barriers like cultural, religion, I had to make sure I had the argument to convince them. So from there, you see a need. And you see all the parents who are not able to advocate like that to do it. And you feel like I got to tell them what I did for, for to get a good result and get that blood in the bank for my son. And one thing after another. And then you move to North America. You think, oh, things are going to change, better health care, and it's going to be fine. Then you, then you realize that there are so many things missing. You know, here they, can, they have a better pain management protocol. Guess what? Then we have to use opioids. Then the stigma that comes with that. Then all the complications and how patients have to fight to have access to a certain type of care in a time where they are really in need and they can advocate for themselves. Then you have to stand there and be an advocate for a child. You mentioned it earlier. You know, we still need our caregivers. We still need our parents. And I like to say that our role changes. From a caregiver, you become a consultant. You become an advisor but you have to be this strong support system. So that's how it happens. I am still that mom doing the mom job, but maybe at a larger scale now. And if I feel like, if I step into the global or national or regional scene and I share our experience and it can help this young mom who is still crying every day, why my child, how am I gonna be able to do this? She can look at me and say, okay, she's done it over 30 years and they're fine, you know? So that's why I'm here. That's why I, 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 I'm here, just experience sharing and supporting ourselves. I love that. I love that. In the U.S., we would call you a mama bear. There's something about a mother who has a child with sickle cell. Y'all are a different breed. You don't take crap. You know, you're a <laughs> senior. And then you, you just have so much love to give. And it, it extends beyond your child. When yes. I'm traveling as someone living with sickle cell, and I don't bring my biological mom, but I always feel like I'm protected. <laughs> you know, even in traveling with you, there's that unsaid, unspoken, I guess, safety. That makes you that think, okay, someone is yeah. there. Someone knows exactly. what to do. I know if I'm with you, Viva, and I get sick, I know I'm taken care of. And, and yes. that's what a mama bear is, is you don't just care for your biological child. You care for a community. And, and exactly. that's exactly what you do. And guess what? You know, because I come from Niger, one of the countries where not all women are educated. So now when I used to go to the hospital with my son, I was sitting on the bench with moms who couldn't read or write. 
So it was more difficult for them to understand how to care because if they're given even a prescription, you have to explain everything to them. I could read, I can understand. And I had friends in the medical profession who can explain things to me, you know. So that's when you have this responsibility where you want to share, you want to educate and you want to raise awareness to help those parents so that those kids can be also, you know, have the same treatment as your child. And we have that responsibility if we know, if you learn, you have to teach, you have to share, right? In the sickle cell community, it is even more important because it makes sense that every single person who can advocate should come because there are so many inmate needs that one person cannot do it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and this takes us to where you're at right now. You are the president of the Sickle Cell Disease Association of Canada. So you have the hefty role of representing and being a voice for lawyers in, in Canada. Tell us a little bit more about your organization and some of the things that you're working on for the sickle cell community. Yes. So, and again, started the same way as a mom sitting at the Christmas party. And then today I'm the president of the national organization. Wow. Wow. Yep. <laughs> so, you know what? We have a smaller population than the U.S. in Canada. About 6,000 people have sickle cell. But this, again, this number we is not really accurate because we don't have a registry for sickle cell disease in Canada yet. So, the organization was founded in 2012. Actually, this year we are celebrating 10 years for ACDSC, and it came into the need because we realized that we had some provincial group working, you know, around the provinces, but then there were other issues like, you know, to get, to have access to a comprehensive care everywhere, we need the federal government funding and to bring new drugs into the country, to have a national registry, we had to advocate at the federal level. So that's when we said, okay, we need a national organization. So when it was funded, we came together and we went to Ottawa and we start advocating for a registry for resources to support sickle cell to have, you know, dedicated nurse, dedicated clinics for patients. And we realized that some of the policymakers we were, you know, engaging didn't even know what sickle cell was. They had no idea, no clue. They've never heard of the disease. So we had to start, you know, raising awareness, educating them, even some healthcare providers sometimes, you know, when you show up at the emergency. So that's how ACJC came about. And we start working nationally to bring those provincial groups, you know, learning from each other, you know, advancing advancement through collaboration and also coming together as one strong unified voice and to talk to our policymakers and to our government to tell them here are our needs and here is what we need so that we can be at the same level as any other disease like. So after 10 years, we have done so many things. One of the things that I'm really happy to report is that when ACJC was funded with the past teams, you know, past uh, leaders and who are now working elsewhere, we went to Ottawa and we advocate to recognize Sickle Cell Awareness Day. So it's a law in Canada. June 19 is Sickle Cell Awareness Day. We also were at one of the organizations where almost every province now is represented at the national table. So we really have a strong unified voice and we have, and we work together on things. Let's say the blood strategy. For sickle cell disease in Canada, we only have two options, hydroxyurea or blood. You know, so we are working to make sure that, you know, the black community understands our need and supports us by donating blood. So we have campaigns and we work really closely with the blood agencies like uh, Canadian Blood Services and Hema Quebec to, to get blood. We are working to get our national registry for sickle cell disease 
And I'm very happy to announce that it's going to happen very soon, very soon, very soon. We have a physician working on it. We have all the groups in a committee and we're going to have now evidence-based data. We're going to have the quality of the care, the quality of life, the disease burden, everything is going to be reported in those. And most importantly, we provide hands-on education and support to the patient community because this is a community that is left, you know, they have to travel far to get to have access to care. They, they have those frequent trips to the ER and they also have this issue getting care, you know, in a timely manner. Like they have to get it within 30 minutes. Sometimes they report waiting for three hours in the ER before having access, bringing those new drugs that are available in, in the U.S. to Canada. We are still working on it. We don't have none of them yet. And also now, one of the things that we have to focus on is mental health. Absolutely. This year is going to be one of the main things. We cannot support our kids as caregivers if we are not strong and fit emotionally, you know, and physically and mentally. And Whatever you receive as care, if you are not good mentally, how can you, you know, manage your everyday life, your work, and be happy, you know, because a positive mind helps more, right, than everything. So we are going to, we started the conversation in Canada, and we're going to provide some support. The Quebec organization has even signed a contract with a psychologist office, and now we offer, you know, some support to patients who need it. Recently, we lost a young man. And uh, we are approaching the family to, you know, to, to support them, you know, in this very difficult time. So here are some of the projects that we are working on. And there are so many, so many met needs in our community that, as you said, we are always working. We're always working. And we are celebrating our 10th year anniversary. In October 2022, ACDC is going to be 10. Congratulations. As hard as we work, it's very important to celebrate our achievements and that's yes. part of what the Skay Awards is about. It's part of celebrating your 10th anniversary. That's a huge milestone. So thank you so much. And you mentioned a little bit earlier, you took on uniting all of the sickle cell organizations within Canada. Can yes. you talk a little bit about any of the challenges and successes with that? Because that's a huge undertaking. I don't think people really understand the gravity of that. Oh, it was one of the most difficult tasks. And you know, one of the main challenges is that these organizations were funded way before ACJC. They, they were working very you know, efficiently and they yeah. were independent. So they didn't see the need to come under any national organization. And yeah. they felt like maybe it will take away, you know, of their problem. So when I became president in November 2017, what I did is engaging each of them and telling them, you are not changing any, every, anything that you're doing. What you're doing is good. You're going to continue to do it. But for us to be able to support you, we need to align our agendas. We need to come together and see what are you working for. And, you know, the needs are still the same. Either you are in Alberta, Quebec, Manitoba, or Ontario, you have sickle cell. It's going to affect you the same way, right? So that's when we came together, for example, for the registry. We all agree that there is a need for it. We create a committee. We work on it. Then we also agree for the blood strategy. The need for blood is important for sickle cell, and we worked together. And we all agree for the disease burden, the impact, not able, not being able to finish school, right? Not being able to get a, a decent employment because you're always sick or the fatigue, right? Not being 
able to have access to care because you live too far sometimes and you have to choose between your job or even showing up at your treatment. So all those issues, we all agree on them. And once that was determined, it was easier to bring people at the table. We realized that we have the same goal. Maybe we're going about the different ways, but how can we work together nationally has one and everybody goes into their respective province and then implement those policies. And that's where we are. That's how, that was the strategy. And what I do also is that I collaborate with every organization on a specific project yearly. And I ask them, what's your main project this year? Quebec has terminated this year, they're gonna focus on mental health. And we also have the same strategy. So we're gonna work on some project. In Ontario, the Sickle Cell Association of Ontario has a support group where they talk to young adults, they support them, they create you know, opportunities for them to come and talk about jobs, insurance, raising a family, reproductive issues. So we're gonna work together. Alberta is very strong on research to determine all the barriers for blood donation in Canada. So we're working on a specific project. So in British Columbia, we have a young patient who is the president and the founder, and she's really about all other, you know, alternatives to support sickle cell treatments. So she wants to look at all, all the natural, you know, ways that you can, yoga, breathing exercises, you know, that people can use. So we are working together and we bring it to see how can we change our diet, hydration, we launched the first hydration campaign last year just to educate people about the importance, how you can you know, affect your health positively by just hydrating correctly. So that's how it happened. But the challenges are, again, the main one is the lack of resources. You can have the best program you can have if you don't have the financial means to implement all that, it doesn't work. So one of the things that we're trying to do is to come together and talk to our government to get funding because I think it's the responsibility of the government to support us because we're Canadian, like any other disease. So funding has to come for the federal government to support sickle cell disease. So it has to be because of the gap that exists between the care for sickle cell and other diseases. We strongly believe that it has to be addressed you know, separately to say, okay, we're going to support this until we get them to the same stage as cancer or, you know, or diseases, then we can select even hemophilia. Look at all the supports that, you know, all the diseases have, they're able to implement strong structures and support their patient base. And we can't because of the lack of resources. So that's how we're working. And that's the challenges that we, we, we are meeting. Like, I think it's the same everywhere for sickle cell. I love that unity that you brought amongst all Canadian organizations and best of luck. In it's a work in progress. Yes, yes. And, and of course, of course, it's just like everything. But I'm really, but really happy when we call meetings and I can call every province and say that they are at the table. It's such a powerful moment and it speaks volume. It speaks to our policymakers, it speaks to the healthcare providers community, to the community itself that we are here for you together has won. Absolutely. That messaging is very, very important when handling and when advocating for sickle cell. So just to talk a little bit about the award, what do you hope to accomplish with this award and, and to help the sickle cell community? You know what, Cassandra? I would like to first start by saying thank you to the sickle cell community all over the world. It was such an overwhelming and, you know, a good feeling to see people I know nothing about were sending me messages. I voted for you. And I'm like, okay, and we know each other and I've been following you, you know, on social media. So I realized that people have been listening. 
they've been listening and they've been watching and they've and they've been paying attention to everything. So thank you so much for recognizing that we are in this all together. And again, you know, this price comes with a cash price that, you know, I receive and thank you for that. And when I received it and I was uh, talking about it with my son, a couple of years ago, we started something in Niger because we realized that some parents would just refuse to get their kids on hydroxyurea because of the costs. It costs about $14 a month for them to pay. But if your salary is about $150, how can you afford that? And you have other kids to take care of. So we started this thing that you know, we took a young girl who was 10 and had a stroke. And we said, we're gonna support her you know, to pay for her hydroxyurea, to provide it for her monthly. And this, that's what I'm gonna use the money for. The first thing, this 2022, all this money is going to the. Um, you're supposed to, to spend it on yourself. You're to <laughs> well, I will. I did. I will. I will. I will go and get a nice massage, you know, and relax, a nice spa day. But part of it, I want really to use it for, you know, to no, support. No, that's it. so admirable. And <laughs> I would like to support. And how am I going to use this? And again, you know, I feel a responsibility to continue to to drive the agenda, you know, for a better care for sickle cell patients, no matter where they live. And that's why, you know, I really take the global organization really seriously and I invest time on it, even though it takes a lot of time to run, you know, to work in Canada and globally. And I'm looking forward to this first ever global conference happening, you know, this year in Accra to talk, you know, to bring, to, to create a platform where we can all meet you know, and share from experience, you know, from, from North America to Europe to India and Africa, we all gonna come together so that everybody, the patient and the caregivers and the healthcare provider can, can talk, you know, and see each other outside of the care. So that's where I, I wanna use it. I wanna use it to be an ambassador. I will say only a role model for the community and tell parents, don't give up, you know, these kids, need us, as you said, you know, from a young age to the adult age, even though the role might shift, you become more independent, but you still want to know that, you know, the family is there for you when you need them. And I also want to make sure that you continue to give this award, you know, to recognize people doing things, because it's important that we do that to show also that we are not going to stop talking. We are not going to stop advocating until sickle cell disease gets the recognition and also receive the proper resources that is needed to treat people who are suffering all over the world. So I'm going to continue to do to do what I've been doing, and even with more responsibility on my shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone can, it's you. I have no doubt about that. And you Thank spoke you. a little bit to this, but what advice do you have for other caregivers? I feel like that caregiver narrative, it's always patient, patient, which is great, but I feel like that's only half the story. The other half is the caregiver. So yeah. what advice do you have for other caregivers? What encouragement, what lesson learned would you like to share as we wrapped up? Yeah. I want to tell them that they will hear a lot of messages saying that, oh, sickle cell disease is not a death sentence anymore. It's true. But I want them to always keep in mind that it's hard to live with sickle cell disease. The quality of life gets impacted, your mental health, you know, and it impacts the whole family. So what I want every caregiver to know is that from the beginning, from the diagnosis till when your child becomes an adult, move out, create their own family, you need to know that there's going to be a need for you to get involved, to stay involved and to stay connected. 
to support them. Now, again, as I mentioned earlier, the mental health comes first for you and for your child because a child positive mental health is supported by the parents positive mental health. So if you start earlier, it's good. Connect with a patient group, an organization, stay connected with, with the community because that's the best way for you to learn how others are coping and also to acquire skills for you to deal with the disease. Understand the reality of the disease, educate yourself. Educate yourself, you know, uh, go to conferences. And now with the virtual world, with what happened with COVID, it's free. You can sit in Sangal Kam and look at something going in India or America. So go to this, you know, Sickle Cell 101. What I like about it is that you have always information that benefits the parents and the caregivers. We really learn a lot about the disease, how it affects us. So stay connected continue to follow on social media and you also keep sharing what you do. And also I would like for them to know that a child with sickle cell disease has a lot of challenges. Yes, it's true, physically, mentally, it's, it's, it's very difficult, but they can be whoever they wanna be. They can live you know, up to their dreams. We have a lot of broken dreams. We may have to change our career path. We may have to do things slowly than other people. You, the parent, maybe may have to make some career choices to support your child. But it doesn't mean that, you know, you cannot live your dreams. So let them do what they want to do. Support them the best way you can. Don't tell them, oh, no, 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 that's too hard for you. No, no. And that's what I like about when I talk to patients and then, you know, they say that, oh, I have my own business. I created this. I'm consultant. I'm doing this. I'm working. I am so happy. And I want us to show those. So that's why this award, you know, Andre and Tiona were the runner up. I feel like they are the biggest advocates because they not only have to, you know, to do all that, but they still have to deal with the disease, you know, in their bodies. So for them to be able to, to do that, I commend them. And I commend you too, Cassandra. So congratulations to all of these people and caregivers do not give up. And you have support, connect, connect, and connect. Stay connected. We're here, we are a large family and we have to continue to share and support each other. I actually have one last request. Yes. Where can we follow you? Where can we find you? Where can we connect with you? I am on social media. I am on Instagram. I have a Facebook page and I always, the minute I look, people have requests. I always take people. So I am on social media. I'm on Twitter too. You know, Biba Tinga, just look up. But also on ACJC platforms, right? The Sickle Cell Business Association of Canada. We are launching our new website this month. We've been working a long time on it. We have a brand new one, bilingual French and English. So people can also look for information there and follow us. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and website. Amazing, amazing. And we will make sure to share your details within the description. Biba, thank you. What a pleasure it was to sit and talk with you. Thank you so very much for you know sharing your experience with us and just sharing your great work. I, I feel like we're not celebrated enough. I think a lot of times it's blood, sweat, and tears, and yes. it goes unrecognized, it goes unnoticed. And we've got to celebrate our, our big wins and our small wins. And so continue to celebrate you and your achievements and congratulations once again. Thank you so much. I'm really, thank you. I'm really grateful <laughs> for this. Thank you, Cassandra. Well, you all, I have the pleasure of sitting here and, and talking with 
our digital sickle cell community advocate of the year, Celiana Coelho. Did I say your name right? Yes, you did. Okay, okay. This sounds Portuguese, which means yes, it is. But you did, you did amazing. Okay, awesome, awesome. Well, Celiana, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so I'm Celiana Coelho. I'm 23 years old. I'm a young mom. I'm an advocate for sickle cell, and that's really what I do. I promote sickle cell and raise awareness for it on social media and anywhere that I can teach and educate people on the topic. I'm willing to do that. So, yeah. I didn't know you were a mom. I'm a mom, too. So how how old is your little one? Six months. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you so much. So, Celiana, please tell me, I know you live with sickle cell, but, you know, not everybody with sickle cell signs up to be an advocate or signs up to be, you know, someone fighting for the larger or broader community. So why is sickle cell advocacy important to you? I think sickle cell advocacy is really important to me because I can see a community that is scared to speak on a topic that actually affects their own people. And growing up, whenever I would like try to find stuff on sickle cell or try research, there wasn't a lot of stuff around. Like if you Mm -hmm. wanted to know about sickle cell, you literally had to go to a library and find a book. You couldn't find stuff on the Internet. And if you did find stuff on the Internet, it was from 10 years ago, five years ago. And I I started to see that. And I was like, you know what? I really want to make a change, even if it's the smallest change. At least it's something. And that's why I really started to do my beginning where I started to realize, wow, like people with sickle cell are so shy. People with sickle cell don't really like to talk about the fact that they have sickle cell. And this needs to be changed. In order to have change, you need to make the change. And that's literally what I did. Mm. I started to make the change. I love that. I love that. So when did you make that change? When did you realize that you had to be an advocate for sickle cell? I would say two years ago, I really just, I went to Google and sickle cell event and I saw four people, four panelists, and they were talking about sickle cell. And being there, I saw people only talk about, oh, the good of sickle cell, this about sickle cell. And I saw that people weren't being real about sickle cell. People weren't talking about all the aspects of sickle cell people were just saying yeah it's painful it affects my life like this but people weren't really saying what needed to be said like how it affects your job how it affects your mental state how it affects your social life your relationships sexual stuff like no one was talking about the stuff that really needed to be spoken about and I said you know what since I have the confidence to do it let me really start let me start somewhere even if it's just talking about it on my platform or just taking a video of mistreatment or showing how someone doesn't like knowledge in this area and I'm willing to educate them that's when I was like you know what I want to do this I really want to speak for sickle cell I really want to be a part of the sickle community you are one courageous lady let's talk about the video you shared that garnered millions of views what inspired you to share that video and for those who don't know it's a video of you going through a crisis some of our most vulnerable moments like I know if I'm going through a crisis (laughs) 
I pushed the camera out the way and it's scary to show yourself so vulnerable and I always joke and say like when I'm in a severe crisis I act like a two-year-old child I'm on the floor rolling around crying like all those little pleasantries all the little like oh how are you or you know trying to look nice or making sure your hair is in place that goes out the window completely and I become like just this baby and I don't want anyone to see how did you come to share this video and, and even, you know, have someone press record? Okay, so basically what actually happened was I was with my cousin who is always saying, you know what, we actually need to get this crisis on camera. And the only reason, it was, it was weird because I had gone out that day and we went to the cinema, like always, unexpected. I started to get the pain while I was watching the film in the cinema we had to leave the cinema get a cab from Birmingham to Wolverhampton because they're the only hospital in the Midlands that actually deal with sickle cell really well so that's what Mm -hmm. we did and during that time she was like why don't you record this why don't you use this and start showing people what sickle cell can be like how unpredictable it is we've literally gone out to see a film and now we're on our way to the hospital so the whole time she was recording 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 and I was sitting there one night and I had watched all of it and I saw that 20 seconds of me in so much pain and I was like you know what I don't really want to show the internet this but I feel like the internet needs to see what a crisis looks like because when when you're taught about sickle cell they don't teach you how it actually affects the person they teach how sickle cell is and its functions what it can do to the person but it doesn't show how the person is actually suffering and majority of the time, when you when you ask someone, oh, do you have anyone in your family that's sickle cell? Yeah, I have an uncle, I have an auntie, I have a mum, dad, this, that. But people will say this person has sickle cell, but have never seen a crisis active. Okay. A lot of people don't know how a crisis looks like. So I was like, you know what? Let me put this internet out there. Not once did I think that the video was going to get this much attention I never thought it would get millions of views I literally thought maybe 100 people are gonna see it and I'm okay with 100 people seeing it even 50 I'm okay with that and it blew up overnight and people were calling me left right and center like this is what you've been suffering with like this is what it's like and I was like yes like when I've missed work or I've missed school college university People think I'm gone and I'm literally just sick in bed, not realizing that I'm actually in pain. A lot of people didn't know that sickle cell is associated with pain. They just think you just look anemic and you're just unwell. And they didn't realize that the pain is at that degree. And that's what I really wanted to show the internet. And I had to be, I had to be vulnerable within myself and vulnerable with other people. And I feel like vulnerability can be a really good thing. And me seeing my vulnerability and being vulnerable with the internet has changed and impact sickle cell in a great way to be honest sickle cell has a light that I never had before just because I was able to be so raw with the internet what I love about this story in particular is there are people who think of sickle cell as a stigma yeah and and you know if they were to record a video like this nothing good ever really comes from it and that's completely the opposite with you if you go on YouTube and you see people in crisis 
they actually like when I'm watching other people in pain, it brings tears to my eyes. And, you know, and it kind of just keeps people in that state. It's just in in a negative space. But what Mm -hmm. you've done for video, you've created positive out of that. And that's what I love about your situation. So why do you think it's important that other sickle cell warriors see such an experience? I think it's important to see someone take a step out of their shell because it makes you want to do it as well. As humans, we copy, right? And I noticed if we always speak negative on sickle cell, that's what it's ever going to be, negative. People are always going to see sickle cell in a negative light. So I said, why not always, why not stop being negative? Let's bring the positive attitude into it. And let me bring something positive with sickle cell. I know that people will copy and eventually this negative thing that people have or this taboo subject will be finally left. But we have to start somewhere and that somewhere just affected millions internationally. And that's what I realized. If we keep going like this, in a couple of years, sickle cell will have really, really big changes. We just have to keep being positive. And I give all my glory to literally God. He's positive and no matter situ- no matter what the situation is, right? So why can't I copy that and do that with sickle cell? And that's literally just all I did. I was like, you know what? Let me start being positive about my condition. Let me start seeing my condition in a different light. Let me treat it different. Let me treat it the way I love someone. Let me be in love with sickle cell instead of hating it. Mm. And that's, that's literally it. It's taken off from there. That is so powerful. Let me be in love with sickle cell. Something that, oh my gosh, those words coming out of some people's mouth is just far from it because of, you know, it's such an experience. Yeah. But flipping it in a way that makes it something positive for you, that's a hard thing to do. That's extremely hard. And so Ooh. I want to give you your props for that because, you know, finding Thank silver you. lining within sickle cell is a very hard thing. I think we put out a post that said, what's the best thing about having sickle cell? And people responded, but it was very hard for people to really answer that question. And you've done it so beautifully. So you are this year's Digital Sickle Cell Community Advocate of the Year. What do you hope to accomplish with this award? And oh my God. how do you hope to help the sickle cell community even further? You know what? There's been countless of times that I've doubted myself and I've doubted what I'm doing for the sickle community. There's been times that I wanted to give up. And it's crazy that I've been given this award. Not only have I won the international one, I've won the UK one. So I have two. And yeah, like, I'm just, yeah, I'm just so thankful. I'm so humbled. I have so much gratitude to the people who genuinely see my hard work for sickle cell. I only do what I do for sickle cell. And it's crazy because I don't really like to take props from it. But I'm thankful that I use my platform for a great thing, for a greater cause. I hope in the future that I could be the face of sickle cell. I could travel the world and speak to many people, educate many people, maybe go into schools and educate in schools and workplaces, even starting small, like even if it means that I just do a few classes a day or something. I always believe in there's bigger and better one day. So 
I can't wait to hopefully get into that. My big term goal is to obviously open up a charity that will provide medication and resources for kids in Africa and kids all around the world that are unable to have things like that. Because I realize as the UK, we're lucky because we have free healthcare and not a lot of countries even have that. And I always think when I'm in a crisis, if I'm in a crisis and I'm, I have a hospital, I have morphine, I have paracetamol, I have all these things given to me quite quickly. What about those kids who don't even have it? What about those kids who end up dying in pain? It's those kind of people that I want to do my work for. So long term, I really hope I can open up a charity that provides medicine for those who don't have it. That's really what I really want to do. That sounds amazing. And you said you would start off small. You've already exceeded starting off small. So (laughs) (laughs) I have no doubt that it'll be great. Just to wrap things up, I have one more question. We talked a little bit about this before we started this call. You mentioned that, you know, people are very quiet about their diagnosis, Mm. uh, possibly within just the location that you're at or within the country you're at. What advice do you have for those people who are shy or embarrassed or feel some sort of weight towards having and living with sickle cell disease? When I give advice, I give advice that people can relate to. So I could definitely relate to those people who are embarrassed. I can definitely relate to those people who don't want to say they have a condition. Because in the beginning, before I became this advocate and so confident, I was shy as well. I didn't tell people, oh, I have sickle cell. I was embarrassed. And I felt I felt people's pity. And I could see people's energy in their face. Like Their whole demeanor would change by me telling them I have a condition. I hated the pity, but then I realized even if I can use this pity to educate someone, that's the best thing I can do. Instead of me having pity within myself, right? Why don't I advocate strength? I can be strong. I'm still a human. Even with the sickle cell, I am still strong. I am not enabled and I'm not any less of a human than a normal person, right? I was just born with something that makes me different. And it doesn't make, it never made sense to me. Like I looked in the mirror one day and I was like, why don't you talk about your condition? You have it for the rest of your life. So you might as well talk about it while you have it. You might as well educate. And that's what those people need to do. When it's your time, not saying you need to start talking about it tomorrow or next week or next month, but when you fully come to terms of having your condition, and sometimes it takes people years, take your time, you know, take your time with it. But educate people your loved ones around you start with them like what do you guys know about sickle cell how does it affect me what medications do I need to take it's the baby steps to accepting what you have and when you accept that that's when you you're open to a whole nother level of advocacy do you understand what I'm trying to say Mm-hmm. absolutely yeah and I feel like those people who are shy those people who are quiet or embarrassed you you definitely need to leave that last year because if you want change for your condition you want change for sickle cell you have to speak about it that's the only way you have to make noise the more noise you make the more fuss you make about it people are going to be like what is this like why are people always talking about sickle cell and there boom there's the light on sickle cell again 
everyone's researching about sickle cell people are like oh why is this person talking about sickle cell oh this guy that never used to talk why does he only talk about sickle cell that's amazing come out of your shell when you're ready no one's forcing you but you do have to come out of your shell eventually because this condition is never going to leave you know yeah. it's better to embrace it than to hate it that's why I always say to everyone you're better off loving it than hating it I love that you're better off loving it than hating it look Celiana, you are amazing I'm a fan I will continue to follow your work and follow oh you and I, I can't wait to see what the future brings for you and brings for us as a community yeah. as people living with sickle cell so I lied I have one more question where can people find you on social People can find me on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram at Angolan Candy. All my social medias are Angolan Candy because I promote being sweet. Like I promote being from Angola, being sweet. Like that. I don't just talk about sickle cell. I talk about so many other things, but sickle cell is my main advocacy. But look, honey, find me at Angolan Candy anywhere. Talk to me about anything. I'm not someone who cares about status or cares about numbers. I talk to all kinds of people. I've been broken by me before, so I can relate to all kinds of people. I know what it's like to have nothing and I know what it's like to have everything. So never feel like you can't message me or you can't talk to me about anything. I'm always a friend, a sister, a mother, I'm everything. I'm so excited to just learn more about your journey and, and to follow it. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Honestly, I'm so humbled. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for even taking the time out to interview me. I'm really, really thankful. It was my pleasure. It was my pleasure. So I have the pleasure of being with our sickle cell health care provider, HCP, advocate of the year, Sarah Masamba. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you for joining me today. Thank so you. I will let you introduce yourself and, and tell us about yourself. All right. Thank you so much. So my name is Sarah Masamba. I'm currently living in South Africa, but I'm originally from Congo DRC. So I am a sickle cell warrior type SS, and I'm the only one in my family who is actually type SS. So not only am I a warrior, but I'm also an advocate for the disease. And in addition, I'm also a fifth year medical student, soon to be in my final year this year. That is amazing. And, and first of all, Sarah, I have to tell you, my husband is from Congo, DRC, so I feel oh. a little bit to you. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. That's nice. Repping the DRC. And, and thank you so much for sharing about your background. And I kind of want to dive into it a little bit more. So a lot sure. of us are born with sickle cell, but we don't yes. necessarily choose this lifestyle to advocate. So why is sickle cell important to you specifically? Sickle cell is very important to me because growing up in my family, I am the only child who is with um, sickle cell. Actually, before I was born, we did lose a brother to the disease. Mm -hmm. So after we lost uh, my brother, that's when my parents then found out about the disease. So ever since then, I've just felt like 
no one can really understand, you know, what exactly I'm going through. And where I live in South Africa, not a lot of people actually are aware of this disease and very few people even have this disease. Here in South Africa so far, I've only met one person face to face who actually lives with the disease. So it then was really important to me to speak more about it, but not just speaking about it. I too wanted to learn more about it because there wasn't really somebody that I could go to and ask what are they going through how do they deal with it so it was more of a journey of me trying to understand what this disease is for myself and once I have that understanding I then wanted to spread the word about this disease try and raise more awareness especially because it's something that not many people hear about so it's really trying to just spread the word and say that hey guys there's actually a disease like this that exists and it's so important especially you know in the healthcare system where I live, you know, so many doctors who have met me, it's the first time they've seen a patient, you know, with sickle cell. So even the treatment, sometimes it doesn't go as well as it should because they're not familiar with this disease. They don't know how to handle it. They don't even know what to do. So that's when I just thought, okay, this is what I need to do. This is my goal in life. So when did you realize, was there a moment that you realized that you were an advocate or had to be an advocate for sickle cell? So it started off, I would say, around high school because I used to get sick pretty often and I didn't really like understand what was happening. So I started like doing research, trying to find out what this illness is about. So sometimes when I would have like an English oral, for instance, I'll talk about it, you know, just talk about the basics, you know, what it is, what happens when I'm in hospital and so forth. But then I think it really started when I was in varsity my first year in medical school. And we actually had a study and it was basically a case of a girl with sickle cell. So we were using her case as a study for us to learn about the genetics of the disease. And that's when I decided that I wanted to start having a blog. That's where I shared basically my personal story of what I've been going through over the years. And just, you know, sharing my day-to-day experiences. And then it was recently I got into Instagram and it was just by an incident where I came across a page about sickle cell. And I didn't know that it was a thing where people were actual advocates. You know, they would have Instagram pages, Facebook pages, they had organizations and so forth. So once I found that page, I then started discovering more and more pages. And then I think that's really what gave me the courage to then actually say to myself, okay, I can actually do this. You know, apart from just sharing my story, I think there's more that I can do. So for the past two years, I've really been active on my Instagram page, really giving education to people about the illness. And recently I even held, you know, a blood drive as well in my town where I live in, which was like my first big, you know, project that I've done. I read about that. It's so amazing. And hopefully we see a lot more of that. You mentioned you are a fifth year medical student. Yes. A future healthcare provider and someone living with sickle cell disease. Mm-hmm. You have this very unique perspective. You kind of see both sides of the coin. So how do you yes. describe 
challenges patients face navigating the healthcare system? So I think, yeah, my case is really unique. And I think it's actually a blessing in disguise to see both perspectives, because I feel that's what will really help me in future for the type of doctor that I want to be. Because being a patient myself, there's been multiple occasions where I've been really maltreated because, you know, this is a disease that people don't understand. And in addition to that, you know, I'm young. So, you know, they often take advantage of me, especially like when my parents are not around, you know, the type of care that I'm supposed to be receiving, you know, I don't end up receiving that care. Sometimes I'll be in hours and hours of pain, crying, and, you know, they just don't take me seriously. They're like, no, you're making noise. So seeing that aspect has really then told me that I really want to be the type of doctor that is also going to fight for patients' rights, because I know what it feels like when, you know, somebody's not listening to you, somebody's not taking you seriously. I understand that, yes, you know, there are precautions when it comes to like pain medication and so forth, but, you know, sickle cell is not just any disease, you know, it's in its own league. And, Being able to experience that pain myself, I know what it feels like. I understand, you know, what patients are going through. So I really think being a patient myself is really going to grow me into a doctor that will be able to understand, have empathy, and also give them the best care as possible. So that is really my goal to become such a doctor. That's amazing. It is important. And you have so many intersections. And I think people who experience both sides or or multiple sides of of one situation are best at handling that situation. So I'm excited for you to be that doctor that we all wish we had and provide for us because we're a community that provides for itself. So if we need those doctors that really take us serious, we have to become those doctors. And that's exactly what you're doing. And now you are this year's Sickle Cell Healthcare Provider Advocate of the Year. What do you hope to accomplish with this award? And what do you hope for your future? We've talked a little bit about you becoming a doctor. Where does your advocacy lead you? In the future, one of my biggest goals would really be to start an NGO under the name Fight of a Lifetime. I'd really love, you know, such an organization to be able to reach out to families and patients that I need, as well as, you know, educating people, not just about, you know, SS, but also, you know, sickle cell trait, making people to understand more about the illness. And I'd really like to grow the awareness, especially via social media, because, you know, a lot of things spread very quickly with social media, but I'd really like it, you know, to grow to unimaginable levels. And yeah, that's the biggest goal I have for this year and also for the future. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And then to wrap up, what advice do you have for others in your shoes? Maybe others who are specifically people living with sickle cell that are pursuing medical careers, what advice do you have for them? So my advice would be, first of all, don't listen to the people who say you can't do it because you can. So many times I would feel discouraged, but 
I was very fortunate to have a good support system with me. And, you know, everyone who was there with me always, you know, encouraged me and said that I could do this, I could do this. So just give yourself that courage, you know, to push through and believe in yourself no matter what. Sickle cell doesn't need to define you. So don't um, make it limit you and say that you can't do this or you can't do that. You can do anything that you set your mind to. And if you do decide to enter into medicine or anything medically related, also listen to your body. I still am trying to learn that as I go, but you really need to listen to your body. I used to push a lot and sometimes, you know, I would end up having a massive crisis. So now I've started to learn that I need to listen to my body and I shouldn't, you know, feel sorry or pity for myself when I see, you know, my colleagues keep going to school, you know, doing their daily activities. I just need to remember that as much as yes, I'm not like them, but, you know, I need to take things slow eat healthy, drink lots of water, rest as much as I can. And yeah, basically just listen to your body and don't push yourself to a point where your body cannot take it anymore. Because I mean, will you be a doctor then if you're sick? You know, you can't treat patients if you're sick yourself. So yeah. I love that. My hematologist always said, the dumbest body is smarter than the smartest doctor. So yeah. I love that listen to your body. Your body knows best. Your body can tell you things that doctors may not be able to do. This has been our body our whole life, so take care of it. I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you so very much, Sarah, for taking the time to talk today. Your work is amazing. I'm personally invested, and I'm sure others within the sickle cell community are as well. So thank you for everything that you do. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I'm really glad that I was part of this. I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. So what did you think? I told you they're dope. They're amazing. If you want to learn more about each person, visit our website, sc101.org slash That's S-C-A-Y. Catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye.